This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, welcome to another edition of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. If you're listening to this before December 20th, 2008, you still have time to get in our drawing for the set of BikeOvision DVDs. All you have to do is visit IndoorCycleInstructor.com, fill out a very brief survey that will help us understand what you're looking to hear going forward into 2009. Coming up in this show, I've got Jennifer Sage on again, and we're going to talk about her new book, also a fundraiser that she's involved with. Our featured interview is going to be with Ryan Hogan from the Australian Fitness Network. Jennifer and I are going to be talking to Ryan. He's based in Sydney, Australia, and I can't help but do this. We're going to be talking to him in the future because we're recording this Sunday afternoon. We're talking to him, and it's Monday morning. Jennifer, how are things? Things are great, John. I am so excited to tell you that I... Finally, after many, many, many months of hard work, finished my ebook. I know you were you were just unavailable for a long time, and I appreciate your hard work. So where are you at with it? I mailed it to, emailed it to um, Ed Pavelka, who is the editor of RoadBikeRider.com. Oh, cool! And he is going to be promoting it for me on his uh, newsletter and website. Uh, he's got a mailing list of uh, almost seventy thousand uh, road cyclist around the country which is very cool i probably have a few he just got it we've got a few more tweaks and then uh, he's going to promote it on thursday this week i'll be developing my platform to sell it i'll have it on my website and then you are also going to offer it on your website which is exciting so oh i'm looking forward to it and you are the great content creator if anyone's read your blog (laughs) fun hog spins it's just like it just comes out of you i that's why I podcast, because I can't write like that. I don't know what it is. It just kind of travels through my hands. But I tell you what, it always, always, always takes longer than you think it's going to take. And I've also read this. Once you've done one, the next one will be easier and easier. So I've already got a whole host of uh, new ideas for ebooks and things like that. It's an exciting world we live in right now with all this kind of new methods of communicating you know, your podcast, a lot of stuff is online, um, and as you suggested to me, turning my book into a, an audio book for, for people who don't have time to read, they can listen to it in their cars. Exactly, exactly, and I think, and you have such a pretty voice, I think anybody would enjoy hearing you. Uh, one well, thing, you. And one thing I forgot to add is at the end of the show, you've got some quick tips for communication skills course instructors that as far as queuing that you're going to be talking about so but on to the next thing i read on your blog that you're going to be involved with team fat cyclist and something that's called fighting for susan what's that all about probably most people have heard of um, the livestrong organization which is lance armstrong's um, organization to raise money to find a cure for cancer if anyone has been reading my blog they'll know that i'm a fan of the fat cyclist blog uh, who is a um, just a really great guy who lives in Utah. He's very, very funny, and he is just he just blogs about 
cycling. He loves to ride, mostly mountain biking. But his wife has been very sick for the last couple of years and has just really come to a, a head lately. And a lot of his blog posts have been about you know the wonderful support he's received from friends uh, and also people he doesn't even know from all around the world because he's got a very, very popular blog. It's fatcyclist.com. But he's put a team together for the Live Strong Challenge to raise money, and we're going to be riding in honor of Susan, his wife, as well as um, anybody else out there who is dealing with cancer or people who know anyone who has cancer. So I've joined the team. Their goal is to have the largest team in the history of um, the Live Strong Challenge, and I bet you any fundraising group, and also to raise the most money. Um, like he's even talking, you know, a million dollars. Oh, wow. What is the event that you're going to participate in? There are four rides, uh, Philadelphia, Santa Clara, I think, or San Jose, Austin, Texas, and Seattle. And they're all next year. And they're, they're century rides. And you just select any one of them, and you can join the team and do any one of those four rides. Uh, and then you just raise money. So I have a goal of raising $4,000, and I really want to start now. But, yeah, I put a post on it on my blog this past week, and, um, you know, I yeah, I figured people have given a lot of money to a lot of things, and this time of year is always hard. So I always figure, you know, even $10, if someone can donate $10, it's, that's a couple of chai lattes. If I got 100 people donating $10, look at the the dent that we make in that. And that's that's pretty amazing. So that's my goal. And then they can read more about that on your blog. It's on my blog, and it was a post just a couple of days ago. All right. Well, I think it's time for us to give Ryan Hogan a call at the Australian Fitness Network. And so let me dial him up and see if we can bring him on. And through the wonders of the Internet and Skype, we have Ryan Hogan from the Australian Fitness Network on the line. And Ryan, welcome to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Thanks for having me, John. Uh, it's great to be here. Just so I have it straight, January, February, obviously, is your summer, correct? Yeah, officially, the summer here starts in December and ends at the end of February. So we're kind of at the beginning of the summer right now. So contrasted with us, where we have all of our cyclists coming indoors, you're heading outdoors. <laughs> it's, it's actually interesting. I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and, and I know that you're based in the north of the U.S. and you've got this real seasonality happening. It doesn't happen that way so much here. We get good weather all year round, which is lovely. So there's not that big seasonality of, of people coming into the rooms in the winter and people going out in the summer. We get um, pretty much average numbers all year round. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. What I'd like to know, Ryan, is uh, well, give us a little bit of a description of your program, the ICE program, yep. and what do you actually do? Okay, ICE, as it stands for, is a, it's a, it's a brand of uh, Tomahawk Education, which is, uh, came out of the UK. It was originally designed to uh, accompany the Tomahawk bikes, just like you know, Schwinn have their programs and, and uh, all of the other different branded programs. We um, decided to host it here in Australia. Um, this is about five years ago. We, um, uh, actually, I'll take even a, a step back. 
network, the company I work for, the easiest way to look at it is we're like the idea of Australia. Okay. Uh, we, we have magazine subscriptions. We run a very, very large fitness conference, very similar to, to what IDEA do in July. Um, we, we run, but we also run education programs, which is, I think, where IDEA perhaps don't do that anymore. They don't do the, the, the foundation training. We still do that, um, along with our continuing education courses. What happened about five or six years ago is we, had it, we were looking around there to see what was out there in the marketplace, and there wasn't any national brand or a national training course for indoor cycle instructors. So we took what we had. We had a continuing education course, a small course, and we ma- married it with this fantastic course that came over from the UK, developed a, a course that was specific for the needs were in Australia. The baseline qualification for anyone to be a fitness instructor in Australia is very comprehensive. It's called here a Certificate 3 in Fitness, and that, to give you an idea, if someone wanted to do that full-time in a classroom, it would take them about eight weeks. So anyone who's a fitness professional in Australia, at the very minimum, has done eight weeks of classroom training. The cycle course takes over from there. It, it, it's kind of considered like a specialization course. The idea is that there's a basic understanding of anatomy and physiology and all that sort of stuff when people come through the course. We have two stages of workshops. We have Stage 1 and Stage 2. Our stage one workshop, which is, is our main focus and has been for the last few years, is designed to take instructors or personal trainers or anyone who is already qualified, so already baseline qualification in the industry, and to give them the tools they need to get up on the podium and teach a class. It's a very entry-level um, workshop. You know, The expectation, at least from a trainer perspective, is that these people know nothing. They've done a few classes. Hopefully, they've gotten on a bike and actually ridden outside because that always helps. There's an expectation that they know nothing and that they've never taught a group fitness class either, even though we do get a fair amount of group fitness instructors who come through the workshop as well. And it's a two-day program? Yes, it is. It's a two, it's a, generally, we hold them on weekends. Um, they're two full, very long days, very, very training intensive, both theory and, and practical. And uh, yeah, we get very good feedback on it. And the instructors seem to feel very empowered when they finish it to go out there and start teaching, which is great really like the idea of a two-day program. As a master instructor for, for spinning, we can't fit it all in in one day. We have a different market here. I don't think American, the American population, most of them, would want to give up an entire weekend. And it's really too bad because I think it's very important. If you want to put in that practical, the theory is one thing, but if you really want to put that practical in, you need more time, and you need that time with a master instructor to show you and correct you and I, I think that's awesome. To see the change, to see the change in them when they come back for day two, you know, after all the stuff they've gotten on day one and I, I, from a trainer's perspective anyway, you know, you give them all this information and you get them to do all this stuff on day one and you, they have this sort of scared look <laughs> right. at the end yep. of Saturday, you know, I've like, what am I going to do? I can't do that, I can't do that. And then, and then they come back on day two and they've gone home and they feel empowered and they feel, you know, they, they've digested the information. Hopefully they've gone and, and, and blurted it out to someone else because that's one of their homework assignments for, is for them to go and tell someone else everything they learned on day one. You know, that, that just reaffirms <laughs> the stuff in their brain, hopefully. And then they come back on day two and we really just put it all together. So it, it's been very successful. There's, we've, we've talked about making it three days, you know, but then... Of course, you come to the, the point of logistics. It's just a little bit too difficult to, to logistically do that. So. Right. What about stage two? Um, stage two is, is interesting because what, what, what it was designed for was to 
take on from stage one. So the idea was that someone would do a stage one workshop and six months down the track or a year down the track, they would come back and do stage two. So we'd take them on to sort of some more advanced. It was more about coaching than anything else. Both of you being instructors would, would probably agree with me that coaching is one of the aspects that is very difficult to teach someone who has no idea about teaching. <laughs> we tend to focus more on technique and, and, and music and all this sort of stuff to get them on the podium. But then to teach them how to be coaches, they really need to have a bit of experience to understand the power of it. So that's what the focus of the Stage 2 course was, is to really gain some really good cueing and coaching um, techniques. And of course, then starting to program your advanced rides. Unfortunately, what happened is I think what, what you mentioned just a few minutes ago, Jennifer, is we're just not willing to give up two days because it was a two-day workshop as well. And uh, it was just not very popular. Where we're at at the moment is we're looking at stage two and seeing how we can break it up into two spots and perhaps do two single-day workshops as opposed to a full weekend again. You know, I have a question uh, as far as how popular is indoor cycling in Australia? Oh, John, it's unbelievable, mate. I'm actually originally from Canada. I've only been over here for a few years. You know, I was going to guess that just by the just as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking this guy, he's like a hybrid Canadian Australian. <laughs> oh, I've got my accents terrible. I lived in the States for a while and I lived in South America for a bit. And, and I've just got a, a big mix of a big mesh of, of everything. It's terrible. <laughs> but he did. But he did say mate, John, you got your mate in there. I, I got the mate in there, yeah. You won't catch me saying good day, though. I just can't pull myself to say that. That's just a bit too much of a cliche. <laughs> but you just did. So yeah, we got I just that did. One too. <laughs> no, you, what you'll do is go edit them and cut the good day out and cut the may out and then put them <laughs> together and then you'll have my introduction, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, okay, so it's so, so intercycling is popular there. Oh, is that, are they big clubs, small clubs? Australia is quite interesting. Um, it's like it's a, it's a small country, right? You're looking at um, 20 million people. So it's even smaller than Canada as far as population goes. And about 80 to 90 percent of the people in the country live in the cities. So um, to give you an idea, in a country of 20 million people, 4 million people live in Sydney and 4 million people live in, live in Melbourne. So almost wow. half of the population live in the two big cities. As far as corporate chains of health clubs, like I know in, in, in America, in the U.S., a few years ago, back when I was still living there, the discussion was that everything had gone corporate, you know, that there was all these big, huge chains of clubs and, and they were all competing against each other and getting really cutthroat. Uh, in Australia, we, we haven't really had that. We only really have one big chain of health clubs that have really sort of taken over in the last eight or eight years, I think, since they've been. Okay, you, you, don't, you don't have them in the States, but um, Fitness First is a, um, they're very, very big in, in the UK and in Asia. They are the market leader, no question, in Australia. They have about, um, I think it's like 70-odd clubs now, which in a country this size is, is huge. I suppose they'd be the equivalent of maybe Good Life in Canada. I don't know if, if either of you are familiar with Good Life. I teach for a club that has about 80 locations, so yeah, similar size. Similar size, yeah. And then every, everybody else, there's a couple of smaller chains of clubs, and then everything else is just your mom-and-pop club sort of on the corner and, and your leisure centers like, you know, the YMCA's and the community centers. As far as from my experience getting out there in the clubs and teaching, at the corporate clubs, cycling is huge. We also have Les Mills uh, who run the pre-choreographed programs. And in the case of the cycling programs, they run the RPM program. As you, you may know, Les Mills, they, they, all of their programs are run from New Zealand. 
And being in proximity, Australia was the first market they took their pre-choreographed programs overseas. RPM is very, very popular here as well. Yeah, I mean, some of the clubs I teach at, you know, up to 30, 40% of their timetable can be cycle classes. How about just cycling in general? Oh, yeah, massive. I mean, it, just the weather, of course, you know. the Australians are very, very active. They, it's, it's something I think that's very different from my background, being Canadian and, and, of course, American, is from when they're kids, they're out there playing rugby, playing cricket, running, cycling, swimming. You know, most kids that I, that I meet, I mean, I don't have a lot of contact with kids, but most of the kids that I meet are involved in some sort of sport. And certainly in areas that are flat or that are, aren't so mountainous, you'll see people out there riding all the time. I mean, I live in, in, in Sydney, metro Sydney. There's not a lot of cycling happening in the city, but anytime you take a drive out to, you know, to the country or whatever, yeah, cycling is huge. Well, we got some famous Australians in the Tour de France, too, so we got a lot of great cyclists coming from there. Oh, Fidel yeah, Evans yes. and Robbie McEwen. And... Oh, Is Robbie Australian? Everything... I think so, yeah. I, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm not, uh, it's hard to keep track. Is there an attempt to keep it specific to cycling outdoors, or are they more group fitness classes? And is, is the population, do cyclists come in and take your classes? That's a, that's a good question, and I, I've been listening to you to, since uh, John first contacted me. I've been listening to the podcast, and I'm listening a lot to um, some of the interviews that you've had. It's, it's more group fitness focused here, I think it is, than what you guys talk about um, uh, back in the U.S. and Canada. And I think that that has a lot to do with climate, you know. People can cycle outdoors all year round here, and they do, you know. So avid cyclists, would, probably the last thing that they would want to do when – you know, even in the winter in Sydney, it can still be 20 degrees, so let's say 65, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So I, I think that, you know, certainly if I was an avid, avid outdoor cyclist, which I do enjoy it, but it's not, it's not my passion, the last thing I'd want to do would be go into a dark room inside a health club and, and pedal away on a fixed bike when I could be out there, you know, looking at some of the most fantastic scenery that exists. Um, h- however, we do get cyclists in our classes. Certainly from an indoor cycle education perspective, I would say since we, we brought this, um, the marriage of this course from the UK and what we had here in Australia, the focus has been getting a little bit more real, looking a little bit more about, you know, is this stuff that you do in your cycle class, is it really cycle specific? Is it relevant to what cycling or are you just trying to do aerobics on a bike, you know? So we've tried to, to bring it, to make it, um, to bring it back a little bit more. Um, cycle specific in the last few years, which is, and we've had good feedback from that. You know, I think that's the market was ready for that. That that's what people wanted to do. When you listen to this podcast, you'll hear us describing what we did in the introduction. Jennifer's new downloadable ebook. What's the name of it now, Jennifer? Keep it real in your indoor cycling classes. So it's a perfect way for instructors to learn how to make it more relevant. Yeah, that's that's great. That's great. I mean, it's I, I do believe that, that that's that's the the way it needs to be. <laughs> I mean, it's great that and and I remember um, listening to the podcast. You mentioned how uh, initially a lot of the people who started teaching cycling were group fitness instructors because that was the that was the market at the time. Right. Um, here you see now a lot of personal trainers coming in to start. You know, they they they, they look at the cycle and then you see them standing outside the classes looking and thinking, oh, I wonder if I could do that. You know, is it something that I'd like to do? Some of them end up being fabulous instructors, you know, because they've just got the right drive. And a lot of them are outdoor cyclists as well, and they bring that into the room. 
but having said that, you know, um, all of us that are that are the trainers, like my team, uh, it's not my team, but the team that I belong to for our ICE program, we also all teach group fitness. That's where our background comes from. Well, so I think just, the perfect cycle instructor is a combination of a group fitness instructor because you have that ability to impart information in a fun and motivating, exciting way. It's an excellent background for any cycle instructor. And then obviously maybe a personal trainer knowledge of physiology and endurance training and then uh, you know combine it with someone who maybe not necessarily is a cyclist per se as a passionate cyclist but at least gets out on a bike and understands the application. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you and, and it's true. I, I mean over the years, I'm sure you, you being a master trainer for spinning, I'm sure you would have seen some very interesting things happening in the cycling room. Oh, over yeah. The <laughs> and we talk we, about that in our work. Ryan, where do you conduct your workshops? Oh, all around Australia. We have a training campus here in Sydney where we deliver our initial, like our qualification for, for personal trainers and group fitness instructors, and we use their facilities when we run the course in Sydney. And then we just go, we actually are very lucky to have a um, health club right next door. So we do the practical sessions at the health club next door, and then we come back into the theory sessions here in our lecture theater. And otherwise, we just we go. We'll go anywhere. You know, we'll go as long as the health club has bikes and a, usually a group fitness room where people can sit down to go through some lectures. That's where we do it. What else would you like to add? One, one. I think one of the differences that I've found with this workshop, um, as opposed, I did I did training, of course, years ago back home. Um, I never did. I actually never did a spinning course, which is. A bit disappointing. I should have, but I never did. <laughs> I did some of the other ones. Is we we um, have a huge focus on music and communication in our workshop. We actually um, take our clients or our, our future instructors through music maps. How to take to pick a track, uh, uh, which one, whichever one they like, and to take them through a whole, you know, programming the whole track from beginning to end. You know, what is your terrain going to be like? What are you? What What are you cue? What do you, when When are you going to cue? What, what sort of load levels are you using? We take them through this whole, whole process of mapping one song. And we, I know we discussed the fact that, you know, in a real scenario, if you're teaching, you know, four or five classes a week, you're probably not going to go out there and do that for every song that you, that you teach. But we, we really like to empower them to understand how to map their, the music to their workout. And we believe that that's, that's part of one of, one of our, our core beliefs in, in the ICE program is that music is so important to your journey. I mean, it's just... It can make or break a class, and um, I know it's a really personal can. thing. Yeah, and, and and music is very personal from instructor to instructor. But if you don't if you don't believe in that music and and breathe it when you're presenting something, and if your you know your members don't believe it through you or through them hearing it themselves, it can break your class. It, it's just such a great tool that I think is very especially when we start to get a lot of personal trainers and people who are not without a group fitness background. Sometimes music just escapes them. And uh, it ends up being a bit of a background thing, you know, just put a CD on, press play, and, and go, 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 go. So we try to make a, a focus on that. And then, of course, communication and, and, and cueing, which is just, when I go out there and, and, and teach, it's one of the things that I, that I notice the most, things that I would like to see people work on is lack of just good communication, you know, just being able to say the right things at the right time and in a way that people are going to understand them. So we actually spend almost half a day on communication skills and on cueing, which I think is differentiate. I never had that in any of the training courses I did before, so I thought that was a huge, huge plus for us. I'm really impressed. Yeah, I've never had any, any 
formal cueing education, I guess, as you describe it. Do you ever get a chance to do any of the pre-choreographed training? Any of the programs that they do, it doesn't have to be the cycle one, it can be anything else. They have actually systemized cueing, <laughs> believe it or not. And they have a, a three-step process to cueing. And you know what? It's great. It really is great. It, it, just, it just teaches people who have no idea how to speak what, what cues need to be delivered first, what cues need to be delivered after, and then how you need to finish it up. And it's just, it, 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 from someone who has no clue, it's really great. I did, I did some pre-choreographed stuff and still do, not cycle, but other stuff. And it just changed the way I teach my classes, my, both my freestyle and pre-choreographed. So it's really good if you ever get a chance as well. What does a typical instructor get paid? You know, for a um, class. Do you know that? I don't, and I don't know what the equivalency is between American and, and Australian dollars. But. Well, funnily enough, at the moment, the equivalency is terrible. About a year ago, it was much better. We were getting about one Australian dollar would get you about 90 U.S. cents, which was great at the time. Um, now it's down to about one Australian dollar will get you about 70 U.S. cents. Okay. So you've got to take about 30% off these rates. It really depends who you work for and where you are. In Sydney, uh, so in, in a metropolitan area, you'd be looking at anywhere between 40 to about $65 a class. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, take 30% off of that, oh, of course. okay. Well, still, uh, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And, but I, and I think that comes back to, as well, the fact that how, how long and involved the process is to get your initial qualification, you know, your group fitness or your personal training qualification. It, it, it's, it's viewed a little bit more professionally here, I think, than it is. And there are a lot of career fitness people here. It's not, not just people who do it on the side next to their full-time job, which is great. I think that's fantastic to see people who are doing it for a career. I agree. Yeah. I, I strongly agree. And I think we have some incredible instructors here in the States, but I think there's a lot who, who just do not have the background. I think that's an awesome thing that you guys are doing. Yeah, it's, it's really great. You know, and there's, in Australia, this may be of something that interests you. I know this is happening in the States now, but um, it, it hasn't happened. In Australia, you have to be registered as an instructor to teach. So once you've got your qualification, your certificate from the school, whatever you study at, you actually have to go and get registered with a professional, you know, government-endorsed organization to get your proof. It's like getting your driver's license. You have to get your instructor's license to get out there and teach. So that, that's, as well, that really maintains the level of, of professionalism because if you're not registered, which means you haven't done your course at an approved organization, and then every two years you need to renew it, just like your certification would expire in the States, here it's your registration expires. So that's just kept that it, we, ha we actually have industry representation as well. You know, when the external world wants to talk to the fitness industry for whatever reason, we have a registration body who they can go and talk to. We have a, a singular body that represents us fitness professionals. And I think that's just fantastic. It's, it's, it's so much brings the industry together so much more than in some other countries. It does. And it keeps it very professional. All right. So now the big question. Okay. If I was interested in getting my my ICE certification, what opportunity would there be this winter for me to travel to Australia? <laughs> Funnily enough, John, we've got a workshop on the 21st and 22nd of February. It's the middle of the summer. It'll be about 30 degrees down here, and it'll be, it'll be about minus 30 in uh, <laughs> Minneapolis. Yes, it will. <laughs> so uh, all it takes is about a 19-hour flight from Minneapolis to Sydney. <laughs> 
um, and you're welcome to come down to our workshop. Now, look, I mean, I understand that it's it's the other side of the world, and it's it's uh, it's a big it's a big trip for for anyone to come. Certainly from America, we, at the moment we're not we're not running it internationally. Other than I think we we may be going to New Zealand to run a workshop um, mid next year. But yeah, our course is pretty much located in, in Australia. But hey, if you guys want to come, you're welcome to come. And I mean, Jennifer, you should come down here and run one of your cycle tour to Australia or something like that and take people around the country. I would love to. I would love to. I think New Zealand will be first. Um, yeah. I've actually ridden my bike there and there's a lot of great riding, but Australia will be right behind. Yeah, definitely. There's, oh, there's all kinds of great stuff here. And I mean, the, 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 the difference in climate from north to south and east to west is huge. It's a really, really big country, you know, so... It's, it's, it is, and then and where you are, it's probably more like living in San Diego. It's very, you know what? That's where I used to that, live. I, I lived in San Diego for a while as well, um, and and I think the difference in climate here is it's in the summer here it's that little bit warmer. You know how in San Diego you get those evenings where it just cools down a little bit and that sea and breeze, it, yeah. Get that sea breeze. We don't get that here. So it's in the summer it stays nice and warm in the evening, and you can be out in your shorts and t-shirt and running around. It's great. I love it. Ryan Hogan with the Australian Fitness Network. Thank you for being on the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. We enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, thanks, John and Jennifer. It's great being here. So here are a couple tips to expand your repertoire of things to say when you want your students to add more resistance. You know, a lot of instructors fall into a, a habit of saying the same thing all the time. And I was taking a class not too long ago, and the, the instructor just kept saying, turn up the resistance, turn up the resistance. Or she would say resistance in some way, like resistance knob. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, I do say it all the time, but I try to limit that to once per class and use some different colorful ways to add resistance. For example, you might say, give me a little more road. Feel the road rise up underneath you. You're going to feel the um, more force against your foot and you have to pedal a little harder. Uh, it might feel like you're pedaling through mud. It's going to turn it up enough to slow your legs down just a little bit. Uh, you might also say, you know, and talk about gears add another gear. Now, even if someone isn't a cyclist, I think everyone understands what a gear is. When you say add another gear or give me another gear higher, that really is just saying give me more resistance. And if you do have cyclists in your class, you can use percent grade of a hill. You can go to my blog. I actually have several posts about uh, how to describe different ways to add resistance, both on a flat road and on a hill, and I talk about what percent grade means. Now, there you go. Just try to come up with new, different, clever, and even fun ways to say, turn it up, add some more resistance, make it harder. And I'll end by just one suggestion. Try not to use the word tension. Tension is an entirely different thing. Tension is bad. We don't want tension. We want them to get rid of the tension and stress of the day, but resistance is neutral. It's either on as a hill or a higher gear or a headwind, or it's lower as on a flat road. There you go. Hopefully that helps, and um, keep checking out my blog for more tips.